everybody, welcome back to the Mind Muscle Connection. I'm Joe Quimzessi with Tyler Weeb. And my friend Tyler thought of a great topic that I think is so obvious that I probably would have never thought about it. But it's, it's a discussion about the longevity of not just an athletic life or a sustainable change in health and body composition status, but we, of course, are competitive bodybuilders, a retired pro, and, and we've both done powerlifting type things. And uh, I, I almost want to take this as a slight insult because I have a feeling that Tyler thought about this because, hey, Joe, you've been doing this for 40 freaking years. Like, that's a long time. <laughs> not many people are still doing this. You said that, not me. <laughs> so, I, so that made me think of something. I've got, a, I've got a, a short little story that I think would be a, a really cool setup for this, Tyler. Um, I'm going to take you back to me as a, as a second grader. So imagine little Joe at six, seven years old. And it's one of those times where I, I had such a sense of weird self-awareness. And it was because our teacher, second grade teachers, first of all, are probably more conditioned to help kids understand social skills and societal things and organization. Right you're not learning. Yeah. You're not learning, uh, you know, uh, metaphysics or something. Yeah. So she, she prepared this little lesson or was reading a book and she, it was about the five phases or the five cycles of life. And this has stuck with me since the second grade. She said, you know, we, we all, we all are kids and we grow up and we're kind of under our parents tutelage and all that. And then we go off and we look at what we want to do for a living. And maybe that includes education. And then you raise a family or, you know, whatever that is in that adult life. And, and then you also have your career and your professional life. And then, you know, here, here you are as a, as a, you know, gray haired grandparent and, and, you know, she's got these pictorial visualizations and it was these five phases. Of life. And for some reason at that age, I was just captivated. And so now, you know, look at me studying social psychology and social science and all that. And, you know, that stuff still geeks me out. And just yesterday with now that I'm in that grandfather fifth cycle of nope. life, you just, you skipped the gray hair. You just went straight to no hair. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I, I bought my grandson, my 16 month old grandson, this new book, Dr. Seuss's book of people, places, and things. And he loves to read. He loves for me to read to him. And, and so we're flipping through this and he keeps coming to this picture of the school bus and he'll point to it and he'll say bus. And then he immediately looks outside and says outside. And I say, yeah, school bus is outside that pick up, picks up the kids. And we'll flip through another couple pages and he goes back to it, school bus. And then he points outside. And I mean, almost like autistically, like he comes back to that, like every five seconds, every day. And so in his mind, he's making some kind of connection because he's seen the bus. He's probably seen little kids get on the bus and he's wondering what this is. It's huge. It makes noise. They're all the same color. And, and I just thought, that kind of cyclical nature, that thing that we, something captivates us like Truett in the school bus, like me and this social science being taught to me as a second grader. And yet there is that cycle. It means different things at different points. So for me, one of the things I want to talk about, and I'm going to let you bring in your, your initial thoughts and why this was an interesting topic to you, is that longevity has to include the acceptance that there are cycles. I was excited about training when I was 11 years old and I was just fired up to gain muscle and hit a baseball farther, throw a baseball farther. And then it was, you know, probably kind of, you know, the, the adolescent peacocking type thing, how I look, then it was competitive bodybuilding. 
And now here I am, you know, training in my own facility 40 years later, and it's still for just the love of movement and the physiology and the longevity. But at all of those different positions of my life, it has meant something different, yet it was still very meaningful. And, and I think that's something that has to be key and has to be thought about. Yeah, that's, I think that's a really great way of, of putting it because I think I was thinking something along those lines as I was thinking about this podcast and, and what we were going to kind of talk about today and that as, as we go through this, you know, you, I mean, you just said it perfectly. I have to say it again. It's going to mean different things at different points, but no matter what it means, it's always going to be meaningful to you. And you know, from myself personally, like I started lifting weights when I was 15 uh, in high school. I mean, it was an easy A. I wasn't the uh, uh, the smartest person or the, you know, the in high school. So I was like, hey, like easy A, lift some weights. It's awesome. And at that point, you know, I was a very, you know, skinny, insecure kid that just wanted to, you know, build some muscle and get, get the attention from, you know, from, from the girls. Like that was the only reason that I started lifting at that, you know, 15, I wanted to feel good about myself. I wanted to, yeah. Right. Like I wanted to, to like the way I look. Right. I mean, they say breakups, you know, make bodybuilders, but I think insecurity make bodybuilders. Right. Like I think at a, you know, at a certain point, that is why we all start lifting some more so than others, some less than others. But I think that's always going to play a point. And, you know, just something as a coach, what I've really started to notice a lot more and start to think a lot about a lot more is that no matter the age of the client that I seem to receive, that is such a big portion of their desire to work with me is they don't like the way they look. And the only reason that they seem to be trying to do this over and over again is to bring out that insecurity, get rid of that insecurity and look a different way. And so that got me thinking, you know, just along my own journey and, maybe without even like a pinpoint, I think, well, no, I think I can pinpoint it is the first time that I got very, very lean and competed on a bodybuilding stage. I think that was the first time I was like, oh, it doesn't really matter what I look like. You know, this is, this is not what it's about. You know, I had to kind of go through that, look the best I've ever looked in my life to realize that it just, it, it didn't drive me anymore. And it's how do we get you know our clients to start thinking that way when that is such a big part of the reason that they're contacting us. And I'm not saying that this is a bad goal to have. I, th- I think it's a very valid goal to have, but I think we have to realize that if this is your only purpose of why you are doing it, you are going to run out of steam fairly quickly. And it's not going to last. It's not going to give you that internal motivation or, you know, just for the love of lifting and physiology and and challenging yourself, because, you know, I think I've said this in in previous podcasts and we only have this, you know, idealized version of ourselves and how we want to look once, you know, I'm 185 pounds and I've lost all of this body fat, you know, I'm going to look like this and I'm finally going to be happy. And from what I found, you know, personally, is you kind of get to that point, you're like, oh, 
that's I can do even better. I'm I, you don't almost even you almost don't even like the way you look once you have finally gotten to that place because then you've realized how much more you can still improve. And so really trying to, you know, get my clients to think you're in this for the next 20, 30, 40 years. Let's start focusing on the things that are going to allow us to do that for life. Like this is literally the fountain of youth people. Like we have found it to the best of our ability, you know, building more muscle, taking care of yourself. We know that this leads to longevity in life and an overall uh, better outlook on life. And typically, you know, they tend to be happier, you know, whatever that means. And so it's trying to meld these two things together of, yes, I understand that you want to look a certain way and, and you want to be there now, right? I, I get that. It's, that's not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but we also have to now think in this 30 year term of, okay, you know, what are the things that we can do now that are going to still allow us to get to that goal, but have this longevity? Because ultimately, in my view, you know, we're here for our, our, for our overall health for life. Like that's, I think should we need to make that the main focus. So here's why I completely disagree with you. Awesome. Let's do it. <laughs> I wanted to say, I've been waiting to say that just because I want to see the look on your face. Um, <laughs> I, so we were talking off camera about how this industry can sometimes just exhaust people because I, I genuinely at 52 years old, I love my clients. I I sometimes work harder than they do toward their goals because I know exactly what you're saying is true. I know what this can mean to your life. You, you don't even know what you don't know yet. And I've done this so many times for so many years with clients. I, I want to shake them sometimes and pour my excitement into them, including everything you just said. And yet, again, speaking of my own phases and cycles of life, I know that having those thoughts and feelings and trying to make my motives, intentions, their motives and intentions is the exhausting part. That's what can frustrate me and them. So what I tend to do now, Tyler, and I'm only half kidding when I say I disagree with you, is that as, as more of that omnipotent narrator, knowing the trajectory that they will probably follow or can follow, I'm more excited about where they are now in their own phase. And so, yes, I agree that what finally brings people to the table first is a certain aesthetic, how I look. You can, you can be you know, in decline for a long time and you can go on medications and doctors can be barking at you and everybody's warning you. And it's finally that one time you look in the mirror and like, golly, this is awful. So, but, but that can itself be a motivation to help you get to that next phase. When you were standing on a bodybuilding stage and you had accomplished that, up to that point, th that was life to you. You loved it. That external goal you were using as a, a pursuit uh, catalyst. And then that allowed you to reach another level up in self-awareness. Oh, wait, there's more to this. Wow, there are some extra benefits to this. I don't think you can get to that step without what you previously put into it. So at it, 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 my season now, I, I think what's even captivated me more than ever, what's really brought me back to a more passionate, fun level in my career, almost very cyclically, 
is that I understand that now about my clients and I can meet them in those places. And, and I'm, I'm like you and I'm like my second grade teacher where I'm planting little seeds. I'm giving them information that will help them with sustainability. I just know that they're probably going to hopefully tuck those away for later. That's not going to be as meaningful to them right now as what they're really excited about. Yeah, you have to, yeah, they, I think that's a great point. And you, yeah, you almost have to realize and understand at what point are they in their journey along, you know, along this industry and, and be able to, you know, deposit those little nuggets as we go along at the appropriate time. So I think, yeah, that, that is something very important because again, we kind of come back to the more that you do this, the more that, you know, you, you go along the different understandings you have, the better understanding you have of this and what it fully means. And so I guess as a coach, you know, it's almost our job, you know, quote unquote, to go through that first. So then therefore we can bring people along that journey and go, yeah, I recognize when I was in this position. Oh yeah. You know, this is what I felt when I went through X, whatever it might be. And, and yeah, I think from just even talking a lot with my clients, you know, I'm really, you know, I start to see that a lot more, like they'll tell me something and I'm like, oh man, I, I totally remember when I felt that way. And this is how I got through it, or this is how I look at it now. And yeah, it's, it's very much trying to combine, you know, like you said, getting them to that aesthetic point, because that is a motivator and it's, and it's, and it's not a bad motivator. It's, it's that with, within that context of how much is it motivating us? Does it get us to that point where now, you know, like myself, and I'm sure you had this at some point too, is we can take that next step and go, Oh, okay. Like, yeah, it, it's awesome to look good. It's a lot of fun, but there's something more to this. And that is, you know, certainly somewhere, you know, where I'm at in my life, you know, I've done only two bodybuilding shows and I've already kind of, you know, com completely lost that motivation in, in a sense that drives me to train. May I compete one more day? Eh, yeah, maybe, but it's not something that, you know, I am defining my journey around and defining, you know, my, my identity around anymore of, the competitor, or, you know, I got to look like this, I got to look like that, because this is just one part of my life, it does not dominate my life. And I think that's something that, you know, I really try and get across to my clients, because we are in this industry where it's like, more is better, grind, 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 like, you got to do this, you got to do that. And it's, no, you know what, like, you can train only three times a week. And it, it, actually working with you kind of opened my eyes to this even a little bit more of that was the first time in my life I was training three times a week. I've never done that before. And that was honestly some of the best training I've ever had because it did not dominate my life. I was taking time outside of the gym to spend time with my family, relax, recover, basically, yeah, going to the gym, you know, four five, six times a week, which I think like most of your, let's say general population go, maybe they don't, have a lot of that coaching or they're just going with that, you know, subsurface Google information, they're going to think that they have to devote their whole life around this just to lose that five, that 10 pounds, where I think the perspective from, from us, we can go, no, like you can step back. You don't have to make this your whole life 
to get those results that you're wanting. And even just as you're describing cycling or dialing down some time commitment. So you said something that I think is, is perfect in that, um, you know, we as coaches, sometimes it's our experience. It's us pioneering our ways through this and being a phase or two ahead of our clients often helps. And I'll give you a quick little, you know, history of me. So, so 11, 12 years old, I start looking around and think, wow, I, I want to live a different life than what I was seeing in my own family and so forth and in my own personal habits. So I start training and this is exciting and it's a form of self-efficacy and then I'm using it for baseball and sport. And then I get into my college and military years and I'm no longer doing that, but now I'm kind of interested in the bodybuilding culture, become a pro bodybuilder and do all that. And each time I, I still was able to pull back when I needed to, when I was at the IU med school, you know, I didn't compete for two years, but I still trained. I still went to the gym when my kids were, were getting into little league and so forth. I only competed every couple of years because that was the minimum requirement to maintain my pro status. And then when my kids got to a certain point where I thought, man, I am really going to suffer as a parent in them as children if I myopically focus on this and my business. So that's when I retired, but I still engaged. And then in, you know, in my own personal fitness, very aggressively, like I've, I train just as hard now as I ever have, but it's been for these evolving reasons. And there was even a time where I would say, you may be processing some of the feelings I was, or I started to just detest this. After I kind of ran through that cycle, I just looked back and I thought, was that all just vanity and shallow? And I, I see these other clients who are competitors kind of living those same lives, trying to quote, fix themselves by earning a bodybuilding title or looking a certain way. And so many people do end up in, in tragic, um, you know, psychological constraints because of, of those factors. And so I was, I was really kind of angry and stepped away from coaching competitors for a while. And then that's when this new wave of, of educational pursuit with people like Eric Helms and Mike Zordos and Trexler and Knuckles and Israel and like all of these people all of a sudden started making bodybuilding, Dr. Bill Campbell, uh, fun and academic. And, and that kind of pulled me back in for a new phase. But I, I think it's, it's all valuable as long as we do what you said, and that is not tie our entire identity to it. What, what, will, what will destroy longevity more than anything is if you stay in a cycle too long, that's just no longer fun or helpful but you feel like you have to do it. You don't owe anybody anything. Nobody gives a flying fuck whether you ever compete again or not. Trust me, they don't. They would much rather you be happy and enjoy things, enjoy life. If it's frustrating to you and you're not happy, trust me, you're making other people unhappy. So the way you have longevity is to love what you're doing. And if you don't, change something about it so you do. Yeah. And I say that so much to my clients. I'm like, at the end of the day, this is meant to be fun. Like you are, you are doing, you know, uh, you are challenging your body. You are pushing it. You are, you know, trying different things. You are getting stronger. You know, you are, 
doing what our ancestors did without, you know, dying at 25 or, you know, getting chased by woolly mammoths, right? Like, yeah, maybe, maybe I have my time periods wrong, but you know, I, I'm not a you know, evolutionary biologist. So, you know, it, it, it's supposed to be fun, right? Like we're supposed to enjoy challenging ourselves physically, challenging ourselves mentally. Like if you're not having fun, then why are we doing it? Like I've always been this proponent of like, what's the point of having a great physique if you don't fucking use it, right? And, and that's where I really enjoy challenging myself outside of the gym. Like, yeah, I can, I'm strong as hell in the gym, but what does that equate to outside of, outside of the gym? If it doesn't do anything, then it's like, well, why, you know, why am I lifting these weights? It, that's where I'm at in my journey at this point. And yeah, it, it's, it's just, let's, let's not make this a burden. Like let's, let's, let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy the process because we're going to get there. So let's have fun. And I'll, and I'll wrap us up by even softening or extending one of your statements there at your age in your season of training and physique sport and just functional athletic pursuit, you're still in a prime where you can make statements like we're quote supposed to use our physique. You're not supposed to do anything. You're, you're, you, you, you have the privilege of living the life you want to live. And you have the privilege of being able to set that aside if you like. If you decide, I no longer want to train this way, but I want to just play recreational tennis, or I want to, I'm, I just want to do this or that, or, you know, just, just again, dial things down. I, as a health scientist, I would hope people want to stay physically healthy, but even that is a personal choice that I honor and give people complete autonomy. But you and I are bonded together. And I think most of our listening audience, because we love that physical movement. We love being healthy. We love challenging ourselves. And again, just to soften that statement, let's, you know, giving people the space to love it in different ways with different intensities at different times is something that we give to other people. And we should also give that to ourselves. Yes. You said that much better than I did. So I don't know if I should say anything else because that was, that is exactly what I was trying to say. Like, you don't have to be the power lifter. You don't have to do this. It's whatever, whatever gets you up in the morning, whatever that might be is, you know, if that's that physically active, you're going to go play a little bit of tennis, whatever, man, if that brings you joy, um, by all means, like, let's do it. Right. Like let's, let's create a life that we can do that and, and have so much more fun with it. The, the five phases of life, man. Second grade exactly. lesson right here. You got to love it. You got to live it. <laughs> All right, Tyler, thanks. And everybody watching, listening, the Mind Muscle Connection, thank you. We'll see you next time.